0: time for episode 74 of Three Point Podcast, the hottest takes on sports and pop culture from three sports guys, three different generations. I'm the elder statesman Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 here in Michigan at the Castle Studios. Our middleman and social media maestro is Matt Burns of the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN, checking in from Charlotte, North Carolina and our Gen Z viewpoints they're going to be coming from Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids don't forget give us a follow on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at 3 pot and we we'll want to send a shout out to our great advertising partners which include Advanced Elevator Sheridan Realty and Auction Company Rivals Taphouse and Grill the Corona Connection and Card Service Michiana thanks also to our website partners Sports Radio Detroit and our friends over at Midwest Sports Net. Work. We'll catch up again with Adam Stanko at Naismith Lives and from the Pac-12 Network. We'll talk some NBA Finals, we'll have Entertainment news, and much more coming up right after these messages. Three point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85,
2: 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than Shared and Auctionservice.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Shared and Realty and Auction your items, and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that, too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan.
0: All right, guys, before we get to Adam, uh, let's catch up a little bit on our weekend. I know, Jared, uh, boy, it was kind of a game-time decision to make it in here for the recording as you were in a rugged three-on-three basketball tournament.
1: <laughs> I knew that and message. Be, be,
3: before Jared chimes in, I've got to say,
1: okay.
3: <laughs> he's giving you a hard time often about, you know, hip, missing the one podcast because, you know, you had just had hip surgery and I don't know, a few hours ago, we're recording this Sunday night. A few hours ago, he sent out the text, Hey guys, can we this back? I'm not feeling it. This this three on three tournament was it was brutal. <laughs> how how old are you again, Jared?
1: Twenty years old. Notice how I'm here, Matt, and notice how Ted was not here.
0: Oh, but this, I, didn't,
1: I there's three there's three things that come to my mind. Isaiah Thomas against the Lakers, the, the bad wheel, Michael Jordan flu game, me. Cause I really injured my knee today. Walking <laughs> up the stairs today was a chore. So it's kind of karma for me mocking your hip replacement. which how's
0: that doing, by the way? I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt. That was awesome, man. Way to have my I back, had to. man. I was thinking the same thing when I saw that. I had a laugh out loud and said, suck it up, Jared. Come on. You can <laughs> yep. sleep tonight.
3: So you you also, you've ripped us you know a few times, Jared, for, you know, we, Ted and I talked about how much we used to love playing in three-on-three tournaments. He said it's kind of, you know, it's not what it used to be. So, you you just got done playing in one. Other than kind of beating yourself up, was it fun or do you, you see why that night you still love playing? In it those brought back some go?
1: some good memories. Although I will say this about it was about a thousand degrees in this gym, and you'd play one game and then wait for about two hours before your next game. Yeah, and that's rough. And it was. Debated whether we should just leave midway through the tournament without being eliminated. That was definitely debated. That was a talk. We were out of shape. We were. We've already been beat. We realized we had no chance at winning this thing. Really, we realized that we had no chance of making any sort of run. That we had basically just thrown away sixty dollars, and it was definitely kicked around. Let should we just leave? But we stuck it out, and we went one and two. Huh? So, but the one win we had, the team they literally had an eight year old. So, <laughs> what do you do in that situation? If you play a team with an eight year old, do you just and there's, it's a three-on-three tournament. Would you just let him, you know, kind of shoot it when he wants, or do you just exploit him? Uh, like it's That's a tough one. Mo- money line. I don't know what you – we exploited him, but
0: – I think I would probably go that route. You definitely got to play for the win. Do you humiliate him?
3: He signed up to play, right? Right. So, I mean, yeah, you got to get the W. <laughs>
0: Hey, let me send a shout-out, though, by the way. It was the Carson Vincent first annual three-on-three tournament over there at Ovidelce, and you know he was a tremendous basketball player for the Marauders, one of the greats of all time, and obviously suffered from some depression and took his own life, and I I think it's a great, great thing that Mm -hmm. they put on over there. I know his mom was heavily involved, and you, you brought up about playing in the gym. I mean, first of all, they've got to figure it out down the road they got a big enough parking lot there. They've gotta maybe invest in some outdoor hoops because if you play three on three really, it's gotta be outside.
1: Yeah, it's it's just there's something about playing outside in the parking lot. Although it worked out perfectly because it was raining all day today. Oh, here. that's true.
0: But even three-on-three, but, but three, true three-on-three, three, you play in the rain.
1: <laughs> okay. I just hope that it keeps growing every year. Like I hope that it's not just a one-off, that they only do it this year. I hope that it's every year they do it and it just gets bigger and bigger.
0: What What was your viewpoints about the uh, participation? Was there a, pr- a pretty decent amount? Yeah, I mean, there's
1: over 30 teams for the post-high school, which is when we got our started at noon. That was the only portion of the three-on-three tournament that was still going on at that point. But there's... A lot of teams there, like Michigan Community College, had a lot of players there. Brandon Johns made an appearance. I know he that did. we we maybe aren't the biggest fans of him on this show, but well, he did I make an know. appearance. No, that's so.
3: pretty awesome. As, as a spectator, did, did or he, play? you mean? Did he play, or he just kind of like made an appearance? There
1: was rumblings that he was gonna t- like you know, kind of like the Monstars or something like free buy to the championship game or something like that huh. where the winners would play a team yes. that he – it was almost like something out of, like, NBA – Matt, maybe you remember this game, like, NBA Street 2, where they had, like, yeah, street legends. You would have to beat their team, then you could pick them and they would join your squad. That's kind of what it reminded me of. That was just rumblings. We left before the championship ever happened, though.
0: Didn't, didn't – wasn't he, though – I mean, I know he was, wasn't was one of your biggest uh, – you weren't one of his biggest fans for the Wolverines. Wasn't he Mr. Basketball in yeah,
1: Michigan? from so, East Lansing.
0: And, uh, you know, let's give the kid a break. I mean, he's – what, he had one year under his belt? Maybe I mean, maybe he'll improve.
1: I was kind of joking, but it's just the fact that that's kind of the running joke that that's why John Belin left.
0: Oh, okay. because
1: there isn't any. There's nothing to stay for. So. I
0: got you. So so Jared wears himself out playing three on three basketball. Three solid games. Way to go, okay. Garrett.
1: But did you not say that you were like, oh, this is gonna be a tough pod tonight? I ate too much.
0: Well, that's. I was. I was just leading into that. So you did have three three ball games <laughs> at 20 years old, but. Uh, <laughs> Now my, you fight, ate too much. I ate too much. Plus, now listen, you got to give me some credit here. Who do you think is Grandma and Grandpa's taxi? <laughs> you drove separate. Church. I took. No, no, I took them to church. Took him to. <laughs> what and then, a chore. And then here, you think I wanted to go to breakfast with them today? Yeah, after they knew, pay for I, it I every time. Was, I knew there was a cook. No, they don't pay on Sundays. And there was a cookout. Do you think I, I, I could have just took them home after church? But no, I'm the good son. Took them so, out to eat.
1: So what? What no tired nap. you out today was no eating nap. breakfast <laughs> eating breakfast, and then eating at a cookout is well, what made and today I, a rough day.
0: By the way, I mean, I'll, and give, going to church. I'll give kudos to your mom. I mean, there, you guys, when you have a cookout, Matt, some sometime you're in town and you just are fortunate enough to be around when they have one of their cookouts, I'm, I'll invite you myself because it's yeah. it's something to see. It's You don't go away hungry, do you?
1: No. And Like you said, oh, you end you up
3: you eating guys too much. You told some stories before, but that's impressive to not only... Go out to breakfast where you know usually you eat a pretty hefty meal, but knowing you had this cookout coming, that that's a full day of eating right there.
0: Uh, well, three three o'clock start time, by the way, at the cookout. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and if you remember, so this is actually
1: a, a conversation we had off the pod a, a couple weeks ago, Matt. So when we were at Frankenmuth for Mother's Day, I was sitting across from Ted. And if you remember Thanksgiving, <laughs> when I was a bit hungover, I didn't oh, eat. He, I didn't well, eat the he first. He
0: he's going to get a little revenge here. I didn't. I didn't. didn't, I,
1: didn't <laughs> I didn't eat uh, the first round. And so I had a plate of food after everyone had ate, and he thought it was my second plate so he caused the whole ruckus and had everyone stare at me while I was eating <laughs> and taking pictures of me eating and at thing so Frank for Mother's Day he had eight pieces of chicken.
0: Eight chicken breasts. Yes, I did.
1: <laughs> and you, I didn't call him out then and I didn't call <laughs> him out on the podcast Not but when now. you start you called me out so now I'm returning the favor. Oh man, it's,
3: I don't I don't know what's more impressive. The full day of eating today but those chicken breasts from Frankenmuth—they're not like little chicken nuggets. I mean, those eight. are those are full
1: <laughs> chicken breasts. A, that's a full that's KFC bucket. <laughs> Count them eight. <laughs> but I didn't it wasn't stop. like it was just the chicken either. Oh, other.
0: Oh no, there were just little teeny portions of potatoes and noodles I, I i had a game plan when i went in that restaurant it was it was laid out in my mind i was ready
1: you
3: got your money's worth is what you're saying
0: amen you know the, the four times maybe a year we go to Franklin's, man i'm getting my fill of that uh, world famous chicken i think for my money the best chicken recipe in the world
1: really i do i actually think that kfc chicken's better oh my
0: god that's garbage i think it's like you it's more it's crispy i do i think that's just the presentation at zenders oh no no not even close I don't think I've ever heard anybody that would ever say KFC is better than Frankenmuth. Now, Matt, where do you stand on the KFC thing?
3: I mean, I, to be honest, I haven't had KFC in a long, long time. I just, the last time I had it, honestly, 15 years ago maybe, just because it was one of those things, like, I, I had it, I don't know if I got food poisoning or something, but... Well, it
0: gives you the shit, there's so no doubt.
3: Was not feeling good for, like, a day or two, so it was one of those, like, that, like, ruined it for me, and... Uh, yeah, I haven't had in that long. I just not a big KFC fan, so that, that I don't know if I'm if I'm the right person to ask because that would put Zenders or wherever you get your chicken and Frankenmuth the, way ahead of KFC for me.
1: The problem with the Zenders chicken is there's no side sauces with it, which is where if you go to KFC, you got the finger Looking good sauce, ranch, barbecue, and you can put it on the fried chicken, My which God, makes we, it better.
0: We are completely different. I think that is ludicrous. You put sauce on fried chicken, especially Frankenmuth.
1: Why? Do you put sauce on I mean, chicken I, tenders? I mean, you like it. I do
0: on chicken tenders. It's I'll, the same I'll, thing. I'll dip a little ranch, but when I'm eating my Frankenmuth chicken, baby, that's all it is. I don't know. I bet you
1: that if I took you to Zenders okay. and sw- like one of those fake commercials where it's like a placebo product or whatever. like Have you seen that Chris <laughs> Farley skit on SNL when it's right. like a fake, he did get any rages because it's a fake product. But I bet you I could pr- prepare it with KFC food and you wouldn't know that you would think it's just as good we
0: might have to hook that up we might have to have a three-point pod meeting up there hey matt how how about your weekend
3: uh pretty low-key i mean we um I, i had a super regional i had the louisville college baseball super regional uh luckily it's you know these series are best two of three so the third day is always an if necessary luckily louisville won the first two games so we didn't have to come in for the third day hung out with some friends last night and you know had some drinks played some games and just kind of had a relaxing day today, so really it was just like a, a nice, solid, stress-free weekend. Now, I when
1: guess. you said you played some games, it's like uh, Cards Against Humanity, or did you go to Dave & Buster's, or what was this? No,
3: well, actually, we've talked about going to Dave & Buster's, but we've got, like, some little kids, so there's not a whole lot for little kids to do at Dave & Buster's, but kind of like Cards Against Humanity, kind of cool, actually, one of, the, one of my buddies who we hung out with, one of his best friends, invented a game. I mean, like, le- legitimately invented a board game that is in the proto- prototype stage where they're trying to have people, you know, play it to work out the kings, figure out, you know, maybe some good or bad rules. Um, but it's a legitimate, it's similar to like a card, Cards Against Humanity um, kind of type, like a strategy type of game. Um, so we played that a few times. It was pretty cool to play a game that, you know, like someone you know invented.
1: Yeah, that's so. what, it's kind of funny because my roommate at college, he actually developed a Halo board game. And send it into Bungie, which is the people that are like the creators of Halo. Uh, he never heard back, but <laughs> Not even sort of the same, same same sort of thing. Trying to build a, a board game. Has so.
0: falling has falling hit down there in Carolina?
3: I think I've seen one down here in Charlotte, uh, but definitely the axe throwing bars oh. are, are all over. But I think I've seen one foaling. That was like a, I mean, that was a
0: Detroit thing, right? It started there, and I guess It started uh, in Detroit. I had some buddies that went to the Indianapolis Five Hundred, and that was a huge game. Uh, you know, for like cornhole out in the parking lot area, they were they were playing that and having tournaments. And I guess the guy that that invented it from Detroit, he uh, he's really presented it big time down at Indy. So I would think you'll see it at some of the other race cars, uh, you know, tailgating.
1: That was such. Uh, easy idea. That's something that I feel yeah. like I would have created. It, I know, and yet we didn't. I know. If you but could. I don't understand the whole going to an axe throwing bar. <laughs> that seems like something you would have probably, you would probably do. Be, don't you but... think it'd
0: be kind of cool to take that hatchet and just fire it at the wall or whatever they fire it at? <laughs> Is it like a? It's c-
1: kind of fun. I like maybe once or twice, but yeah.
0: But if you had a contest you, and you're you're a resident gambler, I mean, put some money on the table. How many times you can stick the guy in the heart that's painted on the wall or whatever they have there?
1: I don't think it's a guy with what a What is it, that What I are think they think it's throwing a the axes at? I mean, it's
3: basically a wooden or, you know, like cork board, you know, you know like a dartboard type of material. Yeah. That, you know, ideally the axe, you, you throw it right and it sticks in the wall. I've definitely seen some, like, fail videos of people that clearly don't know how to throw an axe. I'm not saying I'm, like, an a- expert axe thrower, but, you know, people who have no idea what they're doing, bouncing it off the floor, it flies back at them, or bouncing it off something, so... Yeah, there's, there's a little danger involved with that, but I don't know. I think it'd be fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that you're... seems like a place that would have a lot of guys and not very many girls.
3: Most of the failed videos I've seen have been girls. Not that that means anything, but, yeah, I know what you mean, though, Jared. Yeah, Definitely guy... like a masculine type of thing or whatever.
0: Yeah, and the guy's trying to macho it up in front of their chicks, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, before we wrap up this opening segment... This in uh, in our area was Kerwood Weekend, a big festival in town. Did you get down to Kerwood at all, Jared?
1: No, wasn't able to get down to Kerwood. Um, had a couple of different things going on. But something that bothers me, and this is, you're the king of this. Okay. People who are from Owasso, karana this area, and they act like they're like, so above Kerwood. Like, every, it's the running joke. Like, every time Kerwood comes to town, like, oh, it's Kerwood. Like, here come the freak shows. But yet, this is your hometown. It's basically, this is who you are.
0: So, you're, what's your? You got a question or a point?
1: People who complain I, about it. I, I you, know, you, you complain, complain about it? No, about yes, you
0: do. you you no, people say, say it it it
1: every it. year. You, you told me last week. You said, "Guess what's next week?" Gerwood. <laughs> you said that. And then what
0: I say? I'm gonna avoid it like <laughs> the plague. Like <laughs> yeah, I you, yeah. <laughs> hey, more power to everybody that participates in it. I had my fun when I was younger, your age, Matt's age. Uh, it just you know. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't hold anything for me I mean I can go to a carnival anytime I, I'm more of a Shiawassee County fair guy to tell you the truth <laughs> I, would,
3: I would definitely agree with that I'm more of a fa- I love go- the fair when, if we're happen to be home when the fair is going on uh, I definitely have to make it over there the fair is cool uh, Kerwood yeah I mean it, it is what it is it's a carnival it's definitely some great people watching yep and you know you can do your typical things go get the corn dog go get an elephant ear play some games but it's man. Kerwood is something
0: else. By the way, hot news flash for you, Matt. Somebody at the at the carnival yesterday, I believe. I think he might have been working on uh, one of the rides. A
1: worker, yes.
0: He uh, his leg got chopped off. Oh wow! Yeah, so. That's- more on that story later <laughs> on, but that poor guy, man, that's that's not good for the Kerwood Festival no. either. I mean, that could be still up and running though. He came in, it is still going. Is it? Yeah, it's still going. All right. Well, whatever he did, fixed it up. Okay, then. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get into some NBA talk. We're gonna have Adam Stanko joining us here in just a moment. Before we get to Adam, I want to just remind you, Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. Definitely an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools. And speaking of Corona, the CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona at coronaconnection.com. All right,
3: guys. Well, let's get to our guest today. He's one of our favorites. He's been on with us a couple times. And, you know, we love to bring him on to talk about a ton of different topics. But he's definitely a basketball junkie. You can follow him on Twitter at NaismithLives. He works for the Pac-12 Network out on the West Coast. And if you want to check out his uh, podcast, it's the Catch and Shoot podcast if you want to hear any of his other takes and interviews and stuff like that on NBA and college basketball and everything else. He's Adam Stenko. Thanks for joining us again, Adam. Yeah, of course. I love being on with you guys. Awesome. Well, the first thing I have to say. And, you know, we're in the middle of the NBA Finals. Well, I guess we're getting towards the end of the NBA Finals right now. But it's 3-1 Raptors, just like everyone expected, right? But I've been telling these guys the whole, basically the whole playoffs that I'm to the point where I can't bet against the Warriors. And I think I even said on last week's pod that even if it was 3-0 Raptors, I would still be sitting here saying "I'm, I'm taking the Warriors. I can't bet against the Warriors until someone beats them. And I'm honestly at the same point. I know what's been going on in these finals. The injuries, Kawhi is just going off. It's 3-1 Raptors. But am I crazy to still say I still think the Warriors are going to come back from 3-1? I mean,
2: look, the, the Warriors' history, certainly over the last few years, has been such that you'd have to believe that there can't bet against this team. You can never count them out, whether it's a singular game or certainly within a series, um, obviously <clears> – <throat> You know, we saw what the Cavs did to them in 2016 coming back from 3-1 in their own right. But since they've gotten Kevin Durant, it has been lights out. I mean, no one's come close to the Warriors, and when they've decided to buckle down, play defense, uh, move the basketball, they're, they're pretty much unstoppable. Obviously, the injuries have played a huge part in what's going on, and uh, there's a bunch of factors. But, yeah, I mean, if Kevin Durant comes back, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't feel secure if I was the Raptors. That being said, the fact that the Raptors are up 3-1 and have two home games left to play is the one reason that I'd give. Obviously, the Raptors the advantage in this series moving forward because it just takes one home win, and obviously Toronto's been berserk in these playoffs. As a home
0: crowd, yeah, you know, I would. My take on it is, I've been watching it pretty closely, and you know, Golden State is banged up, and without Durant, it's not the same team. And I've have t- talked about it here on this podcast, leading up to where we're at right now. We're recording on Sunday night with a game, uh, the next game coming up on Monday night, but the Raptors are playing on a mission, and I don't know if I've seen anybody other than maybe a Kobe or a Michael Jordan, and, and maybe LeBron to a certain extent be on such a role in the finals and in the playoffs. He's just carrying that Toronto team on his back and everybody else has stepped up their game. But from what I see, you know, it just looks to me like this is Toronto's year. Now, if Toronto loses at home to Golden State, then we got a different story when they go back to Oakland. Then then we got ourselves a series, I think. But I think as as we all know, getting that game cl- or that series clinching win in the finals is a tough task.
2: Yeah, no question. And I was surprised, though. I mean, look, some of the guys on San Antonio certainly have experience. I mean, you mentioned Kawhi, but also Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry's been there before, even if it's not an NBA final. You know, Marcus Gasol's had some playoff experience. But what's really been interesting with this team is just, you know, it has sort of felt like a a team of destiny. And the fact that they were able to go into Oakland, game four, Klay Thompson returns, and put out the kind of performance where they just felt confident and... Big Nurse has these guys just hungry. There's just something different. I mean, for a first year head coach, that to me has been the most underrated story of these, these playoffs and certainly this finals. This idea that this guy who was longtime assistant with the Raptors, but before that was a G League coach. At one point he was a he was a player coach in, in London. I huh. mean his history is crazy. He was you know, all he ever wanted to be was like a college head coach at one point and you know, they dumped Wayne Casey, who was the coach of the year. And meanwhile, Nick Nurse has just pushed all the right buttons. But more than anything, he's he's got his guys to understand how to play hungry, and and that's a difficult thing. And I, I think you know to see so many role players play big on the road, which doesn't typically happen in the playoffs. Again, never mind the finals. I mean, uh, Fred VanVleet's been unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously Gasol's been been huge. Ibaka uh, hasn't scored as much as you'd expect, but still you know, contributing in different ways. I mean, this team has just gotten – they're so deep, and they're hungry, and I think that combination has been huge. And then, of course, Kawhi Leonard, as you point out, I mean, he's having, you know, playoffs for the ages. I mean, forget the shot against the Sixers. Just what he's doing, it's 30 points a night automatically. been one of the best defensive players in all the playoffs. And I think the big thing in terms of schematically when you watch this Raptors team is that when Kawhi Leonard does not have to guard Kevin Durant, then they could put him on like Draymond Green and just have him play a free safety role where he's just sort of you know playing top of the key playing at the free throw line and in that area and he could just sort of roam from there and it's giving them a ton of options defensively they could cheat on Clay and Steph and i think it just i mean enhances that defense so much and and without Durant i mean this this Warriors team really hasn't had a lot of other offensive weapons outside of Steph and Clay
0: yeah and how often do you see an NBA team play a box and one. I don't know if I've ever seen it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't happen. And and I think but that comes from Nick Nurse's creativity. I mean, he's the guy He's talked about it. You know, when he was coaching in the G League, he he was always in a situation in which players could get called up at any point in time. And so because of that, he's great at adjusting. He's great at making moves on the fly. He's not afraid to take chances. And uh, he understands that. You know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, but at the same time, that he's just going to coach. He's not going to just sit there and rest on his laurels, which I think you know happens to some of these other head coaches, especially you know when when the moment gets tight. I think that this guy is a first year head coach and doing what he's doing is just absolutely floored me. It's incredible.
1: With all that being said, obviously Nick Nurse has had a lot of adjustments that have been impressive, and Kawhi Leonard's incredible. Don't but don't you think it's a little bit tainted? The fact that the Warriors are without Kevin Durant and without Klay Thompson for a game because as somebody who hates the Warriors, it pains me to know that the excuse is going to be that they didn't have Kevin Durant when they lose this series.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, that will be, I think, somewhat of an excuse, but I think at the same time, you know, I mean, this team without Kevin Durant won 73 games, you know, that this team now has DeMarcus Cousins and they could just add him and decide to add him for the playoffs. He could fill in or a role for them. I think that will be obviously talked about, but I think at the same time, the narrative always changes after a series is over. And I think people are going to look at this and say that, you know, that the, Warriors, that the Warriors blew it. I mean, they still had a lot of the key components. I mean, people were talking about Andre Iguodala after, you know, what well, was game two. They were talking about Andre Iguodala as a Hall of Famer, which is just laughable to <laughs> me. Um, but that's, that's sort of the, what's, what's happened with this Warriors season. There's been so much dominance over the last few years. And it's been plug-and-play, and every lineup they've chosen, and, you know, as, as Matt talked about just a bit ago, everyone just sort of expects that the that the Warriors are going to lose. You don't count them out. And so regardless, I mean, everyone else has had to deal with injuries too, not just in this playoffs, but obviously in years past. We saw it last year with the Rockets not having Chris Paul. And so, yeah, I mean – Injuries are one thing, but at the end of the day, you still have to perform. With the fact that Steph and Clay and Draymond, all were are playing in these key games, it looks like Kevin Durant will probably end up taking the floor in Game 5. Marcus Cousins has been a part of this. Kevon Looney came back before anyone expected. They've had injuries, but this is also a very deep team and a very talented team. And I think regardless of the injuries, I think everyone still expects them to be the best team in basketball. The most interesting part is that we're talking about the idea that this team is better without Kevin Durant. And obviously that, that narrative is proven to be
1: false. Well, it's funny that you said that, because I'm actually looking at a tweet right now that you said, where you said that they're equally the best team in the league, but they just play different styles of basketball. But yet, now they're down 3-1. Like you said, that's been proven wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I, I, when I said that, though, I still do believe that the Warriors have been the best team. I mean, part of it's been, the, you know, the fact that they have been hit with injuries. But I think Nick Nurse has really outcoached them, and I think... You know, a lot of times it comes down to matchups and, and sort of what takes place. And what's been interesting is just the idea that these other role players haven't stepped up to the degree that we expected them to. It's been interesting to see sort of the evolution, uh, you know, and, and sort of uh, how guys, you know, treat it like a, a chess match. And it's move and then counter-move. And so initially, you know, we saw Kwon Leonard play some of that free safety. And then we saw the Warriors respond to that and say, okay, well, if you're going to do that, those other role players are going to start to attack the holes. So now all of a sudden you had guys getting alley-oops and getting buckets and opportunities at the hoop. And then over the last couple games at Oracle, really what we saw was just not only good defensive play from, from Toronto, but also their role players finding ways to score where the Warriors' role players weren't. I mean, they could all went one of six last game. Uh, Draymond Green went three of six. So across the board, those guys weren't contributing in a way that they probably mm-hmm. should have. And, you know, Clay Thompson returns, maybe not at full strength, but still look pretty good on the court. I think the big shocker in this whole series has been that the Warriors haven't defended to the level that we've been used to over the last couple of years. And then someone who's around the league a lot that I talked to the other night said, you know what, if you you want to check one thing that makes the Warriors feel different, at least from a psychological standpoint, it's the return of Cousins. I mean, how much does he impact the locker room and how much do those guys want to play with him? You know, there's always those kinds of factors. But, yeah, I I truly believe – wholeheartedly, that the Warriors the best team in the league, even without Kevin Durant. I think they're better with Durant. But I think they're the best team in the league without him. But we really haven't seen it because those other guys, I mean, we saw we saw Steph go off for 47 in a game that Klay Thompson was hurt, and then we saw, obviously, last game where those guys both contributed. But it's the other guys, the, the draymonds and the uh, Andre Godales. And the interesting thing is we saw 109 from the Warriors in the first three games, I think, well, 92 in game uh, – In game four, so offensively was where they were a total letdown. But I think on both sides of the ball, they've been a disappointment. Defensively, they haven't stepped up to the challenge at home, I expected them to. And then certainly on the offensive end,
0: last game. You know, we don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, we're, we're talking here about, and I'm listening to it about how, you know, Golden State's letting things slip away. But I think the biggest story from my viewpoint is just how well Toronto is playing and how hungry they are. I mean, we talked on it a bit and how well coached they are. But, I mean, this whole story right now, if they clinch it tomorrow night there at Jurassic Park and they're going crazy up in Toronto, I mean, the whole story to me is what a fantastic job! dethroning the two-time champion. You know, Golden State can make all the excuses they want. Toronto has taken it to them to this point.
2: Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you know, you go back to the Sixers series, and the Raptors in that series looked like they were dominating it, and then the Sixers sort of came back, and then we saw the great shot by Kawhi to win it. Uh, who knows what would happen if, if if that game seven goes to overtime. But so, okay, so that's Raptors dominated that series, but then everyone believed that the Bucks were going to knock out the Raptors. And then certainly heading into this series, I think it was, you know, the, the prevailing thought that, once again, the Warriors could just steamroll them. Uh, in fact, the same person that, that told me to look at the DeMarcus Cousins psychological factor also told me that, you know, they wouldn't even watch the, the finals if it was the Raptors over the Bucs because they said the Raptors would have no chance, whereas the Bucks length may bother the Warriors. And so I, I agree with you that I think that what these guys have done, and again, you know, you look at those role players, I mean, Kyle Lowry, I think, has been one of the more underappreciated stars in the NBA. I mean, five straight All Star appearances. Uh, he's been terrific. Uh, you know, Van Vliet is is really just a special player. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was so unheralded coming out of Wichita State, undersized point guard, just just a guy who can really distribute the basketball, but always makes the right play. You know, and then the the key piece again, I think I think it starts with with uh, uh, Ujiri, I mean, I, I talked about it, but the Raptors, you know, the fact that he's been at the helm and made such smart decisions, I always talk about it. People talk about this being a Stars League, but it's really an executive league. And the best teams in the NBA, and the Warriors have Bob Myers, and Celtics have Danny Ainge, and the Spurs have R.C. Buford, the Rockets have Daryl Morey. But Ujiri has been an unbelievable executive for years. And and you look at the moves he's made. I mean, losing Dwayne Casey and having Nick Nurse be the head coach, uh, making the trade at the deadline deal for, for Marcus Saul, You know, to go all in in this year knowing that he only had Kawhi Leonard and and even Leonard himself. I mean, he traded away DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard and basically said we're giving it all up just to try to get one year with Leonard. I mean, everyone sort of expects Leonard to leave after this this final. But to do all that um, and take that risk knowing that you're really vastly improving your team was a huge risk, but it's all paid off. And I I think when you you talk about giving the Raptors credit, I think it starts with giving – besides Jerry, credit because he's really the mastermind behind all this stuff. But so you're, you're talking about you, Jerry, and he, you
3: know I wanted to ask you about that because I think I've seen you tweet about, or I have seen you tweet about the NBA draft and you know trying to get value outside of the top five, the top ten picks. And mm-hmm. you're talking about how the Raptors built their team. Obviously, a couple of trades were involved, getting Kawhi and some other guys. But you know, you look at where. The top of their roster, where they were in their their respective NBA drafts: Ibaka picked number 24, Mark Gasol 48, Siakam, who is just showing up like crazy these playoffs, picked number 29. Kawhi was 15. He's the highest. Kawhi at number 15. Lowry was 24. Van Vliet was undrafted. Danny Green mm-hmm. picked number 48. So it's just crazy to look at the roster, and then especially in comparison to the or to the Warriors, who you know a lot of top picks on their roster. Uh, you can't. I mean, I, I still I can't bet against the Warriors. But you know, seeing what the Raptors have done, and you know, listening to you guys talk about it, it is crazy impressive what what they have done. Injuries are not to the Warriors. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, you know, you mentioned, and I think that also plays a role in how hungry these guys are. They I, there's a chip on their shoulder career wise. I mean, certainly we've seen it. Yeah, look, you talk about it with Kawhi. I mean, he's middle of the first round. He came out of San Diego State, and the knock against Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's coached by Keith at San Diego State, and the knock against him was he couldn't shoot. Well, huh. look at the offensive force that he's that he's turned into. I mean, it's almost it's almost laughable to think about that now. And it's because he's worked so hard at his game. And all these guys, i mean, you sit down on that list: Danny Green, Dev Lee, Serge Ibaka, Marcus All, Pascal Siakam, you know, Norman Powell out of UCLA. All of these guys were sort of undervalued and underappreciated. And I think they've just had to work so much harder. And I think you combine that with a coach that's had to work so hard to get where he is. And I just think this team has something special about it. They feel like a team of destiny and, you know, they have the superstar for sure, but, you know, and they're, they're certainly talented and they're certainly deep, but I do think that that, that factors in the fact that these guys are playing with the chip on their shoulder, that they've been undervalued for so long. and They've turned themselves into really, really talented basketball players and, And they're playing in this this sense of togetherness, which is crazy because I think everyone expects Kawhi Leonard to leave, and that's that's what's so wild about this whole run is that they're doing it, knowing this might just be a one-year wonder, but they're going all in. And and if you look at the Raptors' success over the last few years, it's been really special. I mean, they've had some playoff disappointments, and the upgrade between DeRozan and, and Kawhi has been remarkable. And in fact, there was just an article the other day from, I think, Business Insider that the Raptors Bales guys made a deal with McDonald's about
0: hmm.
2: you know giving away free French fries. I don't know if you guys saw this. Yeah, there were free French fry giveaway based upon you know how many three pointers they make a game, and you know with Demar Derozan who didn't shoot a lot of threes, they they anticipated okay twelve a game is a good number. Well, next thing you know they trade Derozan who shoots mid range jumpers for Kawhi Leonard who shoots a lot more threes. Plus, this team goes so deep into the playoffs that now they've been out millions of dollars in free french fries. <laughs> so it's just been this like crazy season that they've had. But obviously, uh, the people of Toronto are very happy about it, not just because of free french fries, but the McDonald's the franchise owners are excited because obviously there's a lot more people frequenting their stores.
0: They'll pick up a shake with their free fry. You mentioned
1: uh, Kyle Lowry. Obviously, he's one of the best players the Raptors have. Did you see the altercation with him in... Uh, the Warriors, like, co-owner or partial shareholder Mark Stevens on the sideline? And, one, what were your thoughts on that? And, two, if you were Mark Stevens, do you think – so, for those who don't know, he's been banned for a year. And $500,000 fine. Would you show your face at Oracle Arena again, or do you just become a Clippers fan? Because I think that's pretty demoralizing. Demoralizing. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I saw the altercation. I guess my thoughts were – you know, I thought it was disgusting. I mean, I, I, think, I think people pointed it out if – if uh, Kyle Lowry walked into Mark Stevens' office at work and did the same thing to him, he'd be arrested. And You know, I, I think it's it's disgusting that, you know, fans ever touch players. I mean, that should be their safe haven. Guys should be entitled to, to feel safe in their place of employment. Regardless of what happens with the players on the court, you're not a part of it. And and the fact that he was a, you know, a minority partner uh, in, in uh, the Warriors' ownership group is, is just baffling to me i mean i was thinking about the other day if, it, if people thought that it was a little bit some people thought it was extreme some people didn't think it was extreme enough but all i know is if it was a security guard that pushed kyle lowry like and that's supposed to be a person that was there to protect him but it's an employee of the team like how would people have felt and i think they would have been outraged like wow this guy's supposed to be there to protect him well this is a minority owner like he should be welcoming regardless of it is the fact that it's been a way player and look i get the passion i understand but you're not part of the game and and the guy deserves to feel safe. And then as far as Mark Stevens is concerned, like, I mean, he he said the right things in his apology, I read his statement. He said that he was sorry. He said that he was wrong. He said he was accepting of it. I don't know how he's going to come back to to Oracle or how he'll be received. I mean, certainly, I'm out here in the Bay area. And I know a lot of people were ticked off and don't want him any part of this team anywhere around the Warriors. So I don't know. It's, the one thing I do know is that Adam Silver's got a lot of leverage because the Warriors are very, very valuable franchise right now. And the fact that uh, there would be people lining up around the block to take a minority stake in the Warriors means that I think Mark Stevens realizes he's treading on very thin ice because, you know, they could easily revoke what, you know, his privileges as an owner and people would line up around the block to take that spot. Adam, I was going to ask you about,
3: uh, we've talked about the Raptors roster and the greatness of Kawhi Leonard, and everyone knows that, you know, he's like you've mentioned that this might just be a one-year deal for them, and they're going all in, obviously. They might be winning an NBA championship, but speaking of Kawhi, I mean, I'm starting to wonder, why would he leave Toronto? I mean, people are talking about the Clippers or the Lakers, or, you know, they're throwing around some other teams that he might go to. He's mentioned that he wants to get back to the West Coast, so there is that, but, you know, he seems like a guy that doesn't necessarily want to be in the media a whole lot. You know, so Toronto, not really in the media a whole lot. You know, maybe up in Canada, I'm not sure. But he's got a great roster around him, a young roster, great coach, like you've definitely hit on uh, since we've been talking to you. Eastern Conference, you know, maybe uh, not anymore. There's there's three or four really good teams in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, there's not the Warriors and the Rockets in the East why would he leave Toronto? I mean, I feel like he's got a pretty
2: good situation up there.
0: And he can hang with Drake.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. I think we have to look at where all this started. And, you know, it, we really don't know with NBA players in general what what is their motivation. You know, where do their priorities lie? And I think everybody's sort of different. You know, I think when when Paul George went, you know, Sam Presti brought him in on the, the one-year deal, similar situation, I think everyone expected that Paul George would leave and go to the Lakers, of course. And then he shocked everyone and and stayed in Oklahoma City. And we may see the same thing. You're right. I mean, he may decide he loves Toronto. And I've even brought it up. I mean, that was the killer about that shot against the Sixers was for the Sixers' sake. Not only did that mean, of course, that they got bumped from the playoffs, but it also meant that every round that Kawhi Leonard goes a step further uh, and closer to a title, the harder and harder it's going to be for him to leave the city of Toronto, but he didn't choose to go there. He didn't go in free agency. He traded in that DeRozan deal, came over with Danny Green. And I think you just have to look at the fact that he didn't choose to be there. And I think we don't know what his motivations are. He doesn't talk to anyone. I mean he really is obviously extremely quiet. Doesn't really do interviews. Talked to Rachel Nichols the other day. You're just always shocked when you see a quiet Leonard interview. And even in those interviews he really doesn't say much. But I think, you know, he didn't choose to be there, and I think that the presumption is that, you know, he just wants to be in L.A. where he's from. Uh, I think everyone sort of expects that we're going to see him end up probably on the Clippers. You know, he's, he's from the L.A. area, went to school in San Diego, like I mentioned. So I, I think the, those are the reasons that he would leave Toronto. There are certainly a lot of reasons for him staying, and I think it'll get harder and harder if he wins a title there. And I also think it's really difficult. I mean, you bring up a good point. Over the last few years, we've seen it more and more as executives have gotten a little more savvy. They've traded guys, you know, in the final year of their deals. So, uh, or guys signed one-year deals that were worth a lot of money because then they could free up cap space. So, like, J.J. Reddick signed with the Sixers, you know, a $21 million deal or something like that for just one year with the Sixers, and then he decided to stay on with the Sixers after that deal. We saw... Chris Paul was in final year of his deal when he went to the Rockets. Decided to stay with the Rockets, obviously got paid a ton of money to do so. Paul George, as I mentioned, you know, we've seen it over and over again where teams, you know, it's sort of become this, like, uh, you know, rent it, you know, these, these one-year rental era of the of the NBA where we see these guys go in the final few years of their deals because the executives, you know, don't want to lose them for nothing. So They trade them early even if they lose a little bit of value. And I think in Kawhi Leonard's case, you know, and certainly the, that's what the Spurs did when they were having all their issues. They could have held on to him, but decided to see if they could maximize that value and got the Rosen out of it. But the interesting part is that, yeah, it does it does put this crazy pressure on the, on the player, on the organization, and usually it can affect you adversely because you're thinking, like, okay, this guy's not going to stick around. A one-year rental can hurt a team. I mean, obviously, Durant's impending free agency – has hurt Golden State this year. You know, that that cloud hanging over their head. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? And I think, you know, we see that Anthony Davis. I mean, his deals up in 2020. And I think, I don't know what he's going to do, but I just think that, you know, all reports indicate and and the people you talk to around the league sort of just tell you they think Kawhi is just gone. He just, that was what he wanted to do. He got traded sort of against his will. He would love to be in L.A. And just because he's having success and having this great year, I don't think it's going to change his path, but... You never know. I mean, we really don't know much about Kawhi Leonard, that's for sure.
1: So you've had a long sit-down with uh, Steve Kerr, I believe, like an hour or so interview you did, which is a great interview, by the way. Our, Our podcast is torn apart on this topic. I tend to think that Steve Kerr, you know, a lot of people love him so much. Maybe it's just because I, I tend to be a contrarian sometimes. But he kind of annoys me with, you know, how he's, uh, he's so enlightened, you know, and he's so smart. He just kind of seems like he's you know, smarter than everybody. So can you maybe – it seems like you're, you're boys with him. So why should I like him? Is he genuine?
2: Why should you like him? Yes. <laughs> Well, first of all, I definitely do think you're you're a contrarian, Jared. So (laughs) I know that. Having listened to the, being a fan of your podcast, I know that you're a contrarian. Why you should like Steve Kerr is because uh, I think he's actually not, I think he's far from feeling like he's the smartest guy in the room. I think he's actually a guy that really tries to get to know his guys. I think when when he spoke to me, I mean, first of all, he's one of the kindest guys in the NBA. Mm -hmm. It's remarkable how good of a person Steve Kerr is. And it's authentic, it's legitimate. And, uh, I mean, even when I interviewed him for the podcast, I mean, he was gracious enough to give me an hour of his time. But not only that, like, he's just willing to talk about whatever. And, you know, he was so kind, even just in setting it up immediately, you know, was giving me his phone number and, like, oh, call me anytime. Glad to do it, all this stuff. Busy guy. He, he had been sick for a long time with the back stuff going on. And still, like, just went, you know, and he didn't know me and, and was willing still to, uh, to grant me some of his time. So I'm always going to be appreciative of that. But I think as a player, I mean, as a as a coach, he's really embraced the idea that, you know, he wants his role guys to uh, feel appreciated because he was that. He was that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I even asked him when I when I did the interview with him, you know, what have you told Steph Curry? You know, what do you guys talk about when it comes to shooting? Klay Thompson, I mean, Steve Curry, you look at all time. I mean, he's he's been involved. He's been with some of the greatest shooters who've ever lived. Not just the guys on the current Warriors team, but. You know, he was the GM with the Suns when Steve Nash was there. Um, he was uh, one of the greatest shooters himself and of all time. And, um, and we talked about, you know, what do you talk about with those guys and the worries about shooting? You guys must have some interesting conversations. He said nothing. I was the guy, you know, just trying to make it. I was a guy just worried about my minutes and what could I do if I got in and the pressure that was around me. If I missed a couple shots, I knew I'd come out of the game. And so I think there's that part where he relates to guys that are more role players. And what I appreciate about him as a coach is he finds ways to get guys who are rookies or second-year guys or or guys that you don't think of as being extremely impactful. And he finds ways to make them contributors throughout a particular game. And I think that's, that's huge. And he does it throughout the season so that when they are in critical moments in the playoffs, those guys can step in and play a role. And then I think the second thing that really stands out to me about Kerr He has this unbelievable knack for making big moments seem small. He's just not fazed by major moments. And, you know, an example of that is I'm really close with a very good friend of his, a guy that played at at the University of Arizona with him, Matt Muehlbach, who um, had a wonderful career at Arizona. They shared a backcourt together, and uh, they are best friends. And Matt and I talk about Kerr all the time, and he tells me that, like, you know, Kerr, when he was down 3-1 to the Thunder – Kerr called him on the way to uh, the arena for game five. And Kerr is like, oh, Matt, I wanted to call you. I have this great golf story that I thought about, and I was thinking about you. And Matt is like, are you crazy? You're about to play game five. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but Kerr was like, oh, no, I had to tell you the story. He's like, Kerr just, you know, with everything that's gone on in his past and the tragedy with his, his father being assassinated. You know, he was president of the American University in Beirut and got assassinated when Kerr was in college I mean th- he understands it's a game and and he just has this way of just making these big moments feel small and I think it's a really difficult thing to do I mean you know I, I know um and Jared you've talked about your athletic history a lot and certainly Matt uh has his I mean you know that's one of the toughest things to take these high pressure moments and to uh to try to find a way to calm your nerves and he does a great job of that with his team so that's what I'm so impressed about with Kerr is just his understanding. And not, not just that, I could go on for days. me. You know, I have a friend who does uh, B-Ball Breakdown. I don't know if you watch those videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But uh, Coach Nick does these B-Ball Breakdown videos, and he, he's a friend of mine. And, like, Kerr watches that stuff, like random Internet YouTube videos. And he'll, like, send emails to Coach Nick and be like, hey, I love this video you did on this, and, and invites him to practice. And, like, he's sort of like a fan, like the rest of us. It's a hard thing to, like, even try to put into words, but basically he's so down-to-earth and, and so humble. He is the average guy, even though he's smart, and even though he does have these takes that, that seem like, yeah, he might be the feel like the smartest guy in the room. I don't think he ever looks at it that way. He's a guy that's got a great sense of humor, and I think his team has carried a lot of those traits. And over the last couple of years, certainly with all the success they've had, they look different, but he'll be the first one to say, like, we're a really good team. Like, he's been on great teams with the Bulls and the Spurs. He's been around great coaches. Lou Olson at Arizona, Phil Jackson with Chicago, and then, of course, the Greg Popovich with the Spurs. Like, he, he's learned a lot from a lot of different people, and I just think he's so down to earth, and I think that's carried on with the rest of his team.
1: You 100% convinced me, and I like how you mentioned my previous athletic history. Because you mentioned how he, he likes to pay attention to the role players, I myself was a backup point guard on a 500 basketball team, so I can understand how it's important to you know keep those guys in the loop.
0: Hey, what I want to know is two guys got credit for having athletic achievements. What about the old guy? What's going on
1: here? <laughs> pre 1970s, ABA merger doesn't count. And
2: but I haven't I haven't listened to enough podcasts to hear about your uh, your athletic. I, I'm
0: a little humble. I usually don't bring it up, Adam. But uh, let me. I got one final question for you. Uh, and we've been pretty kind to Matt. And since we're talking the NBA, was it just Magic Johnson or what the hell's going on with the Lakers?
2: <laughs> oh, man, what a, what a mess that they're, that they're in. I mean, well, a couple things, I think. I, you know, guys really have not been uh, fans of Rob Pelinka. Now, you don't know whether it's sort of professional issues because when you're an agent, that, that business can get pretty tricky. And so while there were some benefits to hiring an agent as an executive, and I talked about it before, it's an executive's league, while there were some benefits, there's also there a lot of guys around the league that were jealous of him and and saw an opening there and, and immediately could could sort of put cracks in, in the armor. So there's that. There's the distrust, uh, the magic stuff. Look, there's three sides to the story, right? There's what the one party said what the other party said, and then the truth. And so I think the truth is somewhere in between. You know, we heard the magic first take interview, which was mind-boggling <laughs> that he would just trash Belenka. But... People don't really like Palenka around the league, and, and that's certainly you know coming out. We, we're, we're seeing a lot of that now, and they're going to be in trouble because it, the timing couldn't be worse. I mean, the Lakers really were using this this year, and this was part of LeBron's plan, to, to get through this season and then just go nuts in free agency. But between Magic leaving the team the way that he did and then what he had to say on his way out the door, I mean, the timing is just absolutely terrible. But everything was... The plan was in place, and they sort of carried it out. I mean, other than them having some success this year, which didn't really come to fruition, uh, everything else, the plan was all in place. I mean, it was basically, all right, we've got LeBron James. All the big free agents are going to be available this offseason. I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, DeMarcus Cousins, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, just so many guys available in this year's free agency class. So basically... Their plan was we've got a bunch of young guys that are on really cheap contracts that are all on the rookie deals, guys like Kuzma and Ball and Josh Hart and uh, Brandon Ingram, and then they said let's take a bunch of guys that are risked that LeBron will sign off on for one-year deals. And So guys like JaVale McGee and Rajon Rondo, you know, Lance Stevenson. And so you combine all those things, and basically what the plan was that Magic and, and Flinka had in place was, all right, We'll go for a year of this, and then after a year, uh, we'll have total cap flexibility. We've got all young guys on cheap contracts. We've got the one big contract in LeBron, and then all those other guys are on one-year deals. If LeBron likes playing with them, great. We'll move forward with them. And if he doesn't, we walk away and uh, wash our hands of it. Problem is, there was so much drama. They don't make the playoffs. People worry about the role LeBron plays. Then the coaching search was an absolute disaster. (laughs) Uh, Frank Vogel was like their fourth choice. He ends up as the head coach. Then they insist that Jason Kidd's going to be an assistant. And then you've got Magic's comments on his way out the door. I don't know that a free agent is going to want to sign there. And so do I expect that they'll end up with, of course, someone's going to come play with LeBron. Will it be Kyrie Irving? I don't think so. Um, Is it going to be Kawhi? No. No. Kevin Durant doesn't get along with LeBron, so he's not going to go there. So you're probably going to end up with a Chris Middleton. I don't even know that Walker Walker's going to leave Charlotte. So I think Chris Middleton might be the the top free agent that the the Lakers end up with. It's it's total chaos right now in L.A.
1: I just have one more question for you, Adam. So... One of the reasons that we ended up liking the Juwan Howard hire at Michigan was because we thought there was a possibility that Bronny James Jr. would be coming to Michigan. Have you been hearing any rumblings out on the West Coast? Has Juwan Howard been seen at airports? Is it possible that he's coming to Michigan in four years?
2: <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I have not kept up on, on uh, the state of Michigan. It's a huge loss that, that John Beeline was gone. And I know that um, I saw Jordan Poole work out pre-draft. I got to spend a couple days with him. I told Matt, because I was all excited, that I got a chance to see. And by the way, Jordan Poole has been killing it in workouts. Killing it. So it looks like people are knocking him for his decision to leave early, and he had the broken hand uh, immediately when he started working out. But it looks like he's been playing so well and shooting it so well that uh, some teams are saying he's the best guy that's worked out for them. He might walk, work his way into the first round, which is wild. Wow. Um, so that's, that's basically what I know. It's a crush crushing blow they lost tealine line um, Jordan Poole is going to be a first rounder and the other big thing I know about Michigan is that Juwan Howard will be you know he's going to I know he's getting you guys excited I know he's getting the base excited I'm excited. it's going to come down to recruiting I will tell you that you know if he handles the recruiting side the fact that Phil Martelli who look I'm a I'm a Philly guy I grew up outside of Philadelphia Phil Martelli is an absolute legend and a wonderful coaching mind I mean obviously coached St. Joe's to their incredible season with Jameer Nelson and Delonte West. Uh, Phil Martelli is a legend and will be an incredible coach on that bench. That The fact that John Howard got him to come to Michigan is just incredible, and I think future is certainly bright for the Wolverines spite the losing B-line. That's, that's all I could say about your program.
0: You got the last question, Matt, if you got one.
3: I mean, my question is, do you think the Raptors wrap it up tomorrow night? Or do you
2: think the KD factor is the biggest thing, you know, he might play? What are you you looking for? It's all going to come down to his health. I mean, here's the thing. If KD comes back and you tell me he's 100% healthy, then I start to lean on your side where I don't even know that I trust that the Raptors are going to be able to close him out, even with two home games. Because when KD plays, now Kawhi Leonard not only has to expend energy on the defensive side of the ball, which is, you know, really going to hurt his offense, but also just the fact that, now he can't help out on, on the guards and, and some of the other guys and being more of a rover. And the Warriors' offensive options just open up a ton. And, you know, I, I think it was Ted who said it earlier, I mean, the idea that, that said, like they win this game, all of a sudden the series is now, you know, a possibility for, for the Warriors. And so, you know, all of a sudden the fact that the Warriors, they can win three straight games against the Raptors with Kevin Durant, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But if Kevin Durant's not healthy, I don't see any chance of it happening. So it's all going to come down to his health, Um, you know, and so both and not just what he does on the offensive end, but also defensively because he can also guard, you know, Kawhi in stretches. So now you can throw out Iguodala on Kawhi. You can have Draymond Green play Kawhi. You can have Clay Thompson play Kawhi. You can have all these guys now start to take turns, which will wear him down offensively. And, again, on the defensive side, he can't be used as his free safety because he's got to focus on – on Durant, which obviously hasn't even been a, an option now, thus far in the series.
0: Well, Adam, I'm telling you, we love talking to you. We're going to have to do this a little bit more often. Outstanding stuff. I wasn't aware that you got an hour of Steve Steve Kerr's time, and you changed our youngster's viewpoint of Steve Kerr. So uh, all in all, a very solid performance here by you tonight.
2: Well, I really appreciate it. I'm going to have to get going now because my wife's probably going to Tell me,
0: she's uh,
2: probably starting dinner twenty minutes ago. All right. I wouldn't. Uh, hey, listen, I, I I wouldn't trade it for anything. You guys are the best, and I uh, love the podcast. So keep up the good work, even you, Jared.
1: <laughs> what What time is it out there? <laughs> it's Dinner time. Adam, appreciate you guys.
0: Oh, great stuff by Adam, without a doubt. We'll have entertainment tonight coming up here in just a moment but first card service michiana offers the best credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants guaranteed to save you money no contract no monthly minimums or early termination fees call 574-238-1397 or contact us right here at three point pod for details and also check out shared and auction for info on Upcoming auctions, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has been in the professional auction business for over 30 years. They've sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate and equipment. Check out the big consignment sale ending June 18th. Call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details or hit them up online again at SheridanAuctionService.com for upcoming auctions.
1: So two things that I just thought was important to note. So at one point in the middle of that interview, I bent my knee. And it felt like I had a razor blade shoved through my knee. But I kept pushing through. And also, it's funny how you noted oh, th- that why you were don't humble.
0: do me a river. <laughs> it's funny
1: how you noted that you were humble when, at one point on this show, you said you were Benny the Jet Rodriguez of your friend group.
0: <laughs> That's in, in baseball, Sandlot baseball. <laughs> There's no doubt about it.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you
0: said you were humble. Well, you know, I picked my spots, Jared. You know how it is.
3: So this is this is what happens when Jared plays three basketball games, huh?
0: Yeah, three basketball games, Matt. I I, in three, fact, like, he had a basketball.
3: Had, three. Three on three basketball
0: games. That's right. He brought his, his he brought his brother, the new head coach at Freeland, the the Falcons, he brought him here to make sure he can help him down the stairs here tonight. Can you imagine that?
1: <laughs> that's not why. Or I did it, notice that not why? I did notice he's he's listening and he fell asleep uh, about midway through the podcast. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I think it was when you were talking. <laughs> You going to be able to spread mulch tomorrow or what, Jared?
1: Oh, yeah. I'll bandage up. I'll be there 8 a.m. sharp. Got to get that paycheck, baby. That's
0: right. All right, let's let's end this thing with some entertainment news, guys. Let's hit it. All right, I'm going to mix it up a little bit, guys, for you here. All right, instead of starting off into uh, movies or television, let's go into a little music. All right? Now, uh, Jared will accuse me of trying to be young, trying to act like a young guy, but... I think I told you guys a while back that I, I really have been enjoying the Jonas Brothers and watched them on Saturday Night Live, and I didn't realize it at the time. The, the, their first song they played, I didn't even know the name of it at the time, but I told my wife, Lana, I said, man, that is a, that's a fun tune. I like that. That's, that's, that's a good song. Jip
1: jam jubilee, right?
0: <laughs> no, I think it was Sucker. <laughs> Sucker, number one, get this, for 11 straight weeks is... in the top 40. Now, how about that?
1: That song is trash.
0: You don't like that song? I like it.
1: I no. Of like all it. the Jonas Brothers, that's my least favorite song. What's by your that. favorite? Uh, Year 3000, which is about 15 years old, but that's a great one.
0: Well, let me throw a couple. Burning of-
1: Up, S-O-S, or SOS, I think is what another one's called.
0: They got some good ones. Well, let me throw a couple other current songs out there, okay, that kind of caught my ear. You guys know I'm more of a headbanging uh, classic rock and roll guy with Seeger and Queen and some of the bands from back in the day. But some of this pop stuff really isn't too bad, you know. It's kind of toe-tapping stuff. And uh, I like this song by Ed Sheeran and Justin Justin Bieber. Can you believe I'm saying I like a Justin Bieber song? I Don't Care. What? How's that rank for you, Jared? That's a good one. I like Justin Bieber
1: a lot. A lot of people... A lot of guys that are my age, you know, they they hate on me because I like Justin Bieber. I do
0: like Justin Bieber a lot. I I, I like his music. I, I'm not a big fan of watching him on TV or videos, but he can, he can sing. And he he has a lot of hits. Now, where do you stand on on a couple of those songs, there, Matt?
3: I mean, I I'm not gonna say I'm a believer. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't know many of his songs, to be honest with you. Uh, just he kind of turned me off when he was like coming up or whatever when I was in middle school, high school, and he right. was like getting big. Not a big. Justin Bieber fan but yeah, mop top. know that he is talented I, I'm not knocking that I know he can play like every instrument I saw him do uh, I think it was on Jimmy Fallon yeah it was Jimmy Fallon he did like a drum off with Questlove of the Roots so impressive he's, he's crazy talented I get that just not a fan Joe Bros, same thing, just was never my thing. I know they're good. People love them. So. Ed Sheeran, though, I like some of his music, though, so I'm on board with that.
0: Yeah, his song with Bieber is a pretty good song, and I got one other comment about today's music. <laughs> my new favorite song, it's probably been out a while, I don't know, it's called Bad Guy. How, how about that? You like that By Billie Eilish? Yes.
1: I don't like that one either.
0: Now, what is it you don't like about it? I like I, just, the, I like the bass beat on that one.
1: People just, all of a sudden, Billie Billie Eilish is like their favorite person in the world. Uh, um, See,
0: I'm unaware of all this stuff in your peer group, so mm -hmm. feel me? People think that they're like,
1: they think they're like smart for liking Billie Eilish or something. Okay. It's like, there's like some TV shows that are kind of like that, which, a cartoon called like Rick and Morty. Right, I know. Same sort of thing where it's, it's like, oh, if you don't like it, like you don't get it. It's. Well,
0: Well, just so you know, and again, we're coming at people out there from three different generations. I'm 62 years old, and I'm talking about Justin Bieber, Ed Sheeran, and, and this song, just, I like it, bad guy. And We've talked about it before, that, that we all have a kind of eclectic musical taste, um, but I, I like that song myself. What are you listening to nowadays, Matt? It's
3: it's a three-point podcast effect. You, you're you talking it. to, uh, I mean, you obviously talk to Jared a lot. You guys have some family ties, I guess, but, you know, talking to us a lot about music he must be turning onto some of these. These young tunes, I guess.
1: Well, no, it was like a badge of honor. The other, I, did you say this on the podcast where you said I was proud of myself because I turned on the top forty Pandora station uh, when I was at my house? You're paraphrasing the
0: other day? <laughs> a little bit, but yeah, so I, I've kind of gone through a little mode where I am listening to the top forty right now, and uh, I'm, I'm getting into it a little bit. You know, even Taylor Swift, she sings with uh, Panic at the Disco, yep. whatever song that is. But that's pretty that's a pretty good tune.
3: Yeah, I, I saw Panic at the Disco live uh, three or four times back in college when they were like when they were up and coming they were they were pretty big actually but so i saw them live a few times they're good uh the billy eilish the bad guy video though i looked it up real quick i saw it on youtube just to show like how things are now like i don't know what the radio numbers are but the youtube video for bad guy has only been on youtube for a couple months and it's already over 260 million views so wow, that's a big hit. I would say.
0: <laughs> I would say so. Is that where people are really uh, making their money? The 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 artists out there on on YouTube hits and and social media. I mean, they don't they don't sell CDs or anything anymore, do they?
3: I mean, I think it's mostly i iTunes, Spotify, you know, stuff right. like that. Downloads, okay. uh, but definitely YouTube. Because I mean, you you get paid by YouTube. So this thing's got. You know, over 260 million views. He's making money off this, too. So it's crazy to think that, like, MTV obviously isn't what it used to be. Uh, Like, when I grew up, like, music videos were still actually on MTV. Ted, you remember MTV when it was all music videos, probably. Yeah, I
0: remember when when it first came out, and, you know, we didn't have it on our cable system. And every time I paid my bill... I wrote a note when are we get an MTV, and then once I got it, I mean that's all I kept on the TV. MTV and ESPN. That's pretty much that was all it was on.
3: Yeah, so it's just crazy to think that like YouTube has kept the music video alive because yeah. yeah, I don't I don't really watch MTV that much anymore. I don't think they show many music videos so. Uh, I mean, yeah, YouTube. I mean, people go to YouTube to watch music videos.
0: I got one other question in the music world, Um, and this might be a tough one. Maybe we might have to think about it, but if you got it off the top of your head, fire it away. What's your all-time favorite song? Do you have an all-time favorite song? Uh, Your go-to.
1: Well, I already know Matt's not going to answer it. Every time we do one of these lists, he has like a 20 thing. He doesn't even narrow it down to the correct amount. So the favorite song. So now that I said that, I kind of feel like I had to say my favorite song, now, even though I really don't have one. Um, Favorite song of all time. You know, a song I I mentioned this last week, Joe Walsh, which he's just awesome in in concert. As I know, I watched it on YouTube. Have never seen him in concert. He looks like a guy that knows how to party. He the song did. Life's Been Good. We already mentioned the complaints I had with it where it's eight minutes long for some odd reason. It's a great but song. But for about three minutes of that song, it's one of my favorites of all
0: time. It's funny. You know, here we are going full circle. I'm talking about these young artists and these current songs, and you're going back to classic rock. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> music's music. Great music's great music. I would say my all-time favorite song, uh, without a doubt, there's two of them. I, can I have two? Will that be legal? Yeah. I'm going to go with Bohemian Rhapsody and Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. It's hard to pick between the two. If they're on the radio, I'm not turning that dial. So that's it's that simple. Matt, you've had time to oh, think.
3: Those are all definitely great hits. I was going to say, if, if it would have came right to me to prove Jared's point right, I was going to probably <laughs> list off like six and say, it all depends on the mood you're in, right? <laughs> it's hard for me to pinpoint one. Like Currently, right now, I have a song that I could probably say is my favorite, but is it an all-time favorite? I don't know you know if you're sitting by the beach having some drinks i want to listen to something different than if i'm working out so uh man that's tough. way to dance around it when when you guys threw the question out the first thing that came to my head was turn the page by bob seeger
0: can't go wrong
3: yeah maybe that's on the top of my head right now (laughs) because i've seen him in concert a couple times the last
0: few months i know you can sing every every lyric to that one i can jared you probably can't right
1: I don't know that song by name, but I probably if I heard it, I'd probably know it. But I don't know what song you are referencing. Awesome song,
0: Bob Seger, love it. All right, I th- I'm going to cut down our list since uh, we went along with Adam. I got one final thing. Let's comment on Jeopardy. James goes hey, down. You jinxed him. I did, didn't I? It was the very next day. <laughs> There's something fishy going on there. I'm. will t- tell you why. He he came across a very good opponent, that female librarian from Chicago. But it got down to the final Jeopardy, and he was down a couple grand. Well, what? And he bet all along. He'd bet big money, and he knew he was in a dogfight. If they both got it right, it was going to come down to how much you bet. And he bet eighteen hundred dollars.
1: Why did he do that? I don't. That made no sense because even if he had gotten it right, he wouldn't have beat her, right? Or he just maybe barely.
0: No, he could have. He could have bet the. He could have just pushed it all in. Exactly, and he would have. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought the same exact thing. That. Something special. What fishy, a bizarre boot, right? yeah. Well,
0: does it maybe it sets up for him and Ken Jennings for a <laughs> super mega matchup down the road? Maybe he just got tired. I don't know, but it just blew my mind. He had never bet as little as eighteen hundred dollars before. No. Did you happen to watch it, Matt?
3: I did I, I saw a couple of clips. I didn't actually watch it like on T V. Uh but I did see that. I saw some clips pretty crazy, yeah. I don't know if he was just getting over it or if he had some other... He obviously has a ton of strategy, so maybe he had some other strategy going, but nice. what do you guys think about how, like, I'm sure you guys saw, you know, like, it... the the episode aired uh, in some other time zones before it aired, like, on the East Coast and everything, so the news kind of leaked, I guess, that he had lost. Darren Ravel on Twitter tweeted it out before everyone. He's got, like, a couple million followers, so obviously it blew up from there, so, like... Did it kind of ruin it for you guys, knowing that, knowing the outcome probably? Like, does it make you kind of hate the social media world? Or is it just kind of like whatever?
1: It bothered me. It bothered uh, my mom me didn't know about it, and so I was, like, kind of watching it. So you I was, was doing calling. stuff, but I didn't see it was you know, like wow, he like went down. I was like, kind of like playing along. Like wow, that was crazy. Even though I knew he was going to lose all along, but it was actually the Three Point Podcast page that spoiled it for me. Moments before I was watching it,
0: it was, it was social media. And he, there you go. This
1: just shows you the kind of funny things that we follow on that page. Jeff Daniels actually tweeted that there was a leak that he had lost, and then Three Point Podcast I I saw that too. Yeah. Retweeted it, and that's where I saw it.
0: You know, and I, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's. Uh, against policy because it played on an earlier time zone i mean that's fair game if it plays on, if it's on tv and somebody tweets it that's okay but i thought i heard that uh, one of the producers or somebody that actually worked on the show leaked it before that
3: oh i didn't see that
0: yeah and i they're in, they're in some deep trouble from what i understand if you can get in deep trouble on jeopardy they might lose their job i don't know
2: right but if you do that him act
3: uh, jeopardy james like himself tweeted out before it aired everywhere that, like, he made a joke about he shouldn't have taken a picture with Drake or something yeah, for that, that episode. So he even kind of, like, spoiled it a little bit, so.
1: Right. I, I don't get why that is a bad thing, to leak that out. It probably was the most watched, you know, no one was just going to tune into that random, what was it, Monday or Tuesday? It was a Monday. Monday, yeah. they probably had more viewers because people had heard that he was going to lose than Man- if...
0: Maybe, maybe, but I think the ratings probably were as sky high as they ever, ever were gonna get because people were tuning in every night to see what he would do, weren't they? I mean, we were. Yeah.
1: So, were you? Did you find out that he had lost beforehand?
0: I did, and I still watched it. You know, I still watched it because I recorded it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's just very strange. I mean, he came up just like sixty grand short of Ken Jennings. You know, he had if he had won that, he probably would have passed him. It's just the whole timing of it, I I don't know what the deal was.
3: Yeah, maybe there were some side deals going on.
0: Maybe it was fate. Maybe it was fake. All right. Well, I, I, that'll that'll shorten up our Tedertainment tonight. Uh, before we wrap up the show, Rivals Taphouse and Grill is the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Check out the Thursday bike nights and karaoke on June 22nd with Long Island iced teas. Well, you'd like one of those right now, wouldn't you, Jared? Gets you in the singing mood, awesome food and drink. Rivals Taphouse and Grill and Corona. Uh,
1: yeah, I could use one.
0: <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts, boys, before we call it a show?
1: So by the
3: time this airs, we will know what happens with Michigan baseball. Have you guys been catching up with them at all?
0: Yeah, well they're, they're against UCLA. Is it the winner-take-all to go to the World Series tonight?
3: Yep, tonight. We're recording Sunday night. They're about to start right now. Uh, and, yeah, the, the winner-take-all to move to the College World Series. I don't know if you guys – obviously I have to watch a lot of baseball because of work. I also enjoy that this – time of year for college baseball have you guys watched any michigan they're a fun team to watch
0: yeah i I haven't seen too much to be honest with you i watch more softball than i have baseball but i'll you know this is perfect no nba tonight as soon as we leave the studios i'll go home and uh, it's on espn i assume or espn2 i think
1: it's espn2 so yep now are you lying watch if you you want you're going to watch this game
0: oh i'll put it on will i watch it to the very end Mm. Doubtful if it ends. At, if it starts Question. at nine, heck, it's going to get over at like one o'clock, is yeah. it?
3: Yeah, and it's probably going to twelve thirty-one. So that that'll be a DVR one. That'll but.
0: be a DVR, and I'll check it in the morning.
3: So, what are you guys again? Uh, you guys still rolling with your your Raptors or what?
0: I am. I mean, I remember I'm the guy that was on board before the series even started, so I'm sticking with them. But I, but it's huge for the next game Monday night. If Golden State wins, I'll stick with them. But it's going to be tough. They'll have a chance then.
1: Matt, do you still want the bet where you said if the Warriors were down three-one, you would still bet on them to win the series? I'll, I'll, I'll bet, bet on the you Warriors
3: right now I got, until I see someone beat them. I know the, the Cavs did a couple years ago, but this current team with KD, even though he's not playing, I'm still I'm still putting my money on the Warriors. You by, know who by, beat them, by, right? Uh, LeBron my fictional James. Fictional money, I should say.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, let's call it a let's call it a pod. Everybody out there, please share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe and rate Three Point Podcast on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and others. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Point Pod. Support our Three Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals, Taphouse and Grill, The Chrono Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit and Midwest Sports Network for their great programming, including Three Point Podcasts. We want to send a big thank you out again to Adam Stanko at Naismith Lives. That was just outstanding and uh way to hook him up with us, man. That was that was great. He's a he's a great guest. Good guy, too. This has been a Three Point Podcast production in conjunction with SportsNet Michigan and Z925 the Castle. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. I'm the bad guy. Duh.